What's up? Hello. Welcome to Decaf on Beacon's weekly podcast. Mark, what is your drink of the week? Oh, I'm, I'm back to the white peach lemonade. Uh, we actually kind of had a, a, a short discussion with uh, Megan two weeks ago talking about how good white peach is. I'm like, oh, I need to go back and get this. So yeah, I ordered some more of those. So I'm not going to off up my stuff today, which is good. Well, I'm still on black coffee. Um, Mark actually called me this morning. We were like talking about work things before the day. It was like really early. But he was like, yeah, I'm doing this from in bed. Stop, stop talking. Slow down. And I was like, I've already been up, been to exercise, cleaned my house, cleaned my room. So we're having very different mornings, but we're here now. At, eight, at 837, it was, it was, it was tough to, to at 837, talk. It was still too early for Mark. Um, so as you have, I'm sure, noticed, we are both still in our quarantine bubbles, kind of. I'm getting out more, doing things, but definitely like wearing a mask and being careful when I need to be or when I'm required to be. Um, but one thing that Mark brought to my attention is the NBA. Now, I'm not a basketball fan. I have no idea what's going on, but Mark is a huge basketball fan. <laughs> Just generally, that's, that's correct. Okay. Anyway, Mark, insult count one. Um, Mark is a huge basketball fan, and he told me that the NBA is locked down in Disney World. Now, I'm going to let him get into the specifics of it, but at first hearing of locked down in Disney World, I'm starting to think, what could I do to grow a foot and a half and become in the, in the camp to be able to be part of that? Because I could definitely be locked down in Disney World. Would you eat 5'8 if you grew a foot and a half? Uh, you're probably still not big enough to be. I think you have to grow probably about three feet to be big enough to be in the NBA with, yeah, with, with your talent yeah. level. Um, yeah, so it's, it's actually pretty cool that they are they're in Disney World and they call it a bubble. So nobody comes in, nobody goes out, uh, and, and but they have about two or three weeks where they're just with other NBA players and, and like sports writers and coaches, and that's it. And they're in this little bubble, and they have some really cool things. Like they have this room where they play ping pong. They have ping pong tournaments and Xbox tournaments. Um, but – it's funny to see how they're passing the time there. The first thing they did was a, it was like a, a, a Twitter challenge where they wanted to see who can shotgun a beer uh, the quickest. So they had videos of them like pulling open a beer and seeing who can drink it the fastest. Um, and I can win that. I'm not good at basketball, but I could win that. Well, yeah, I think three gulps, the one guy did in Myers Leonard. Uh, but then they're doing like other fun stuff where, like, there's a, an NBA writer, Mark Stein, who I really like, and a, the player's been playing Ding Dong Ditch to his, like, hotel room. Like, so the NBA players have been, like, messing around with him. And the Mavericks, this, like, like well, we can't go to the clubs. They did this, like, little dance routine, like, for them outside of their hotel rooms. Uh, each person they're out, just doing a dance. So, like, they're, they're having a good time out there. One guy got suspended, or not suspended, he's got to get back in quarantine because he passed the line in order to get his food delivery. He went one step over the line to get his food delivery. And so they're like, well, you got to be quarantined for 10 days. Oh, my gosh. That's intense. What are they and, and doing they, there? Is this, is this for like a tournament or for practice? What are they doing? I'm sorry, is it for what? Is this for oh, Okay, so it's the rest of the season. So basically they took the top 22 teams. So this is where we're going to have the playoffs. They're, they're going to do eight more regular season games, and they're going to start at like noon because they only have like one gym. So they're going to be starting like noon to 10 every night and, and just having teams play there. So they have 22 teams there. They're going to do eight regular season games. And then the playoffs start. The top eight of, of, of each division get to play in Disney World. So they're going to be there for like three months. I truthfully, when I say that all I care about is Alabama football, I had no idea this was going on. So that's actually really cool. And I might actually watch that. Well, yeah, and, and the, the bubble's just a cool thing, too. It's like, it's these people that are always, I mean, these are very famous people. Every time they go out, they get mugged for autographs. 
they don't, but they're just spending time with other NBA players for like three months and coaches. And like, it's like, it's probably, I, I'm sure some of them don't like it. I know that one guy said one, one of the issues is going to be, gonna be uh, there's not going to be any ladies for them. Uh, so that's going to be tough, but, but it's like, it's kind of just three months to hang out with your bros, like have a good time, play basketball and uh, make a lot of money. Um, and obviously like summer the, camp, summer camp yeah. for the rich and famous. <laughs> yeah. Summer camp for seven foot, seven foot guys who are ready to basketball. <laughs> so yeah. it's a really cool thing though. And just seeing some of the stories coming out of here, it's like, they're clearly having a good time, even though the circumstances aren't the best. And it's just, it's different than anything we've ever seen before for sports, putting them in this little bubble. They said well, it's kind of similar to the Olympic village during the Olympics. Oh, yeah. But a little more locked down. It's a little more. Yeah, well, yeah, you, you cannot leave except for that yeah. <laughs> outside of that. Usually in Olympic villages, there's not much around, so you stay in those areas. But yeah, it's just it's a cool thing, and there's a lot of funny stories. So if you follow any of the NBA writers on Twitter, they're they're kind of telling some of the stories. Well, I will be following on Twitter if everyone is able to get back on, which is our second topic. Um, yesterday, we're recording this on Thursday. Um, yesterday, news broke that there was a massive Twitter hack um, that resulted in everyone with blue check marks being able are being locked out of Twitter. Well, and I know that it was bad. Mark, I'll let you give your thoughts on it in a second. But honestly, Twitter without blue checkmark people virtue Mm -hmm. signaling and lecturing me about their beliefs for a few hours is like a dream. Yeah, I'm not. The blue checkmark thing is like this thing that kind of the right has taken to mean the elite of society. It's like the blue checkmark people I follow are like NBA writers. They're like, it's like, I'm not following. I get what they mean. Like they're talking about the academics and the journalists who are the blue checkmarks, but there's a lot of blue checkmarks that are really great and great follows and have nothing to do with it. So I'm as anti-blue checkmark as a whole as you are, but it was, and what what happened? Didn't they like have something where they asked for Bitcoin or something? What was the deal? Which is funny. I feel like, themes keep coming up. I was like on my stock market investing apps yesterday and reading about like investing in crypto because I've never done that before. And then all of a sudden there's this big like Bitcoin. They're like holding these Twitter accounts hostage in exchange for Bitcoin, which I mean, I don't know if Bitcoin is still as big of a thing as it was two years ago. I know that's not very libertarian of me to say, but I thought Mm. that Bitcoin had kind of like seen its heyday and was not popular anymore but i guess it must be internet currency and they're holding together they're holding these internet accounts hostage and the only reasonable threat would be send us bitcoin yeah that is a weird thing i I do think bitcoin is still very popular i think it's actually kind of moved out of just the libertarian movement and it's like the normal people do it now but it doesn't get the same notoriety because it's like not this cool new thing there's all these other like altcoins but Ron, Ron Schultz on our staff can tell you everything you need to know about it and more, more than I wanted to know for sure. And but he, he has really Bitcoin <laughs> socks. He has Bitcoin socks. And apparently on my, I have Weeble and Acorns and Robinhood and all the investing apps. You can like follow crypto trends and invest through the apps and stuff. And, and so, you know, maybe by next week I'll have a little more knowledge on crypto because I almost rabbit hole last night. You know what the worst thing is? This is kind of t- taking the subject, but like when I was a freshman, like I had somebody telling me, like it was a weird libertarians, like, oh yeah, get in Bitcoin. It was like, I don't know, 10 cents, 15 cents. And like, I would be a millionaire if I would have invested at that point because it's worth like $20,000 now or something. Yeah, so, but I still don't understand. So cheap, but of course, the people, who, the people who were like the biggest advocates for Bitcoin uh, when it was first started were kind of the weird people. So I'm like, I don't know if I want to listen to you. And that yeah. sounds kind of strange. God, I would be rich if I did that. Do you know any like Bitcoin, like not Bitcoin millionaire, people who had made money from Bitcoin? Oh, yeah. I that, have, that guy did, towards the beginning? 
like in the libertarian world. I know yeah. a handful of people who really got into like the blockchain, Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, all that. And they, they are like, they're doing pretty well. Yeah, they're, they're doing all right. And the, and the reason that libertarians like it is because it's a decentralized currency. Mm -hmm. So the U.S., if they bail out a bunch of whatever, it's like their, their money doesn't lose any value or Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, but it, it, okay. we really have topic. But that, that really has like that, – that's like the one thing that's like if, if you collect Bitcoin, you're generally a libertarian. That's the one thing I found. <laughs> Yeah, I think that I think the two are mutually exclusive. Um, but Twitter's back. I saw some blue check marks. I was actually reading some of my favorite Tennessean writers today. They're back to tweeting. Everybody's all all the blue checks are back. Twitter's back to what it is. But it was nice to have a little time of kind of how it used to be when like Ashton Kutcher <laughs> was the only blue check. Like you know, like <laughs> like in and Justin Bieber. Yeah, just when I got my Twitter account in 2009, it was just people saying dumb things. I still just say dumb things and tweet about Alabama football and Taco Bell. But everyone now has opinions that are annoying, and it was kind of nice for a little while to just be us normal people. But real quick, you don't have to follow people you don't want. I know, I know. It's when I get on the Explore page and I start reading, things get things spiral. Uh, see, that, that's your fault. I'm not. I'm not going to be. I'm not going to say that the elitist blue check marks. I'm not going to criticize them. There is some really good ones, especially sports ones. Um, but but that is that is a term that the right has taken, saying like oh the blue check mark crowd. But uh, yes, it was a weird day for me. I, I saw my college professor who is very like I don't I don't know if she's socialist, but she's very far left. And I saw her tweeting me about Bitcoin. I'm like what? <laughs> I know you don't. So but then obviously <laughs> you don't do this. That was the first one I saw. Yeah, exactly. That's amazing. Um, so switching gears a little bit, Justin wrote a blog this week on micro schooling. And, yeah. you know, we're talking about the libertarian freedom, kind of getting the government out of things. We talk about school choice a lot, letting parents choose what to do with their kids' education, letting parents decide what the best fit is. And um, throughout the whole pandemic season, there's been a lot of innovation, a lot of saying, government, step aside, let people do what people do best, which is solve problems. And micro-schooling has become one of those things that people have started to promote and on the right, in the middle, and even some people on the left are saying that micro-schooling might be a good solution to the pandemic. So let me explain what it is. In a traditional homeschool atmosphere, you have the parent teaching the child. In a co-op atmosphere, <clears throat> you have like one parent who will teach all the children in the neighborhood at one time or something like that. that that's traditionally how a co-op goes. Several kids in a neighborhood, families get together and one mom from one family teaches and then one mom from another family teaches. They hire tutors, whatever. Micro-schooling is similar to that where a group of families can decide to homeschool and decide to hire a teacher on a freelance basis. The teacher comes into the home and teaches the students just like she's teaching in a school, but it's just for a small group. The reason this has become so popular during the pandemic is people have isolation units where you isolate, like for example, I isolated at first with my neighbors on either side of my house, all 12 of us isolated together. We didn't really see anyone else, but we talked together. We cooked together, whatever. One of them had coronavirus and you had to get checked for it though, because you didn't isolate well since you've had to be checked twice for coronavirus so far. Okay. Clar <laughs> clarifying point. He didn't isolate well. I did the very best I could. Um, we all isolated together and, um, 
and that's kind of the whole premise of why people are pushing micro schooling is you can have all these families that choose to isolate together and a teacher that comes in to teach rather than just having a student on their own with the online curriculum that the schools are providing during the pandemic now you have someone who can come in and teach them with the curriculum that the school is providing and honestly it's a really common sense approach to education all the time but especially right now right it was i had never heard of it until justin mentioned in his blog post so i've like been trying to figure out like do teachers can they like negotiate a contract with yeah. these people so hypothetically when everyone talks about oh well teachers don't make enough like this would be a chance for good teachers to make a lot more somebody's like oh you're a great teacher we'll pay you this to do this class with them and then somebody else like it really is an opportunity that teachers who are really good at their jobs can get in front of more kids and could make more money exactly i mean if you think about it if a teacher is not trying to wrangle disciplinary issues all day or whatever uh, i know a lot of homeschool families that they really just do school half a day they start in the morning they're able to get all the learning in by noon and then do whatever else they need to do that's how like olympic athletes practice that's how um, musical artists do their school like that that's how it works and so what I could see honestly is a teacher doing half a day with one group and half a day with another group and then going home and and making in that day what they would normally make like still being able to make their salary doing things like that I, I think that this is a really cool way and then with Tennessee's new ESA program which is kind of up in the air some parts of it but if we can get the ball rolling on these things then this would be a really excellent way to to teach our children during this season of not being able to send them to traditional schools and it's, it's just the idea of just thinking outside the box of the education so it's not saying oh we support this or we support this or people should do this it's like look people learn different ways let's give them the opportunity to do it because to us it's not acceptable that so many kids are basically put in a situation where it's almost impossible for them to succeed in these bad schools that, or teachers that don't um, match with what they need. So this is just one other way for parents and, and kids to have a chance to really learn and not be starting at such a disadvantage in life. So we're not saying, oh, do this, do charter schools, do private schools, do micro schools. We're saying these should all be choices and every parent should be able to pick and just like Raul is on our board. Hasn't he picked like three different paths for his different kids? Yes, they've done everything. And, and that's because he understands that each kid needs something new, something different than the other kid does. So I think anything like this, anytime we can expand educational opportunities in any way, it's a great thing. So I'm glad that Justin wrote that blog and we can, um, we can put on this or put in the comments on this post. It's a really interesting blog and having never heard of micro schooling before, I thought it was a really cool concept. Yeah, definitely look it up. It's, it's another way that innovation is succeeding and another way that school choice is really going to help. We, we believe in school choice and we think it can really help. And now, now's as good of a time as any. Um, okay. So Mark, last topic of the day, you told me to reserve this for you. So yeah. as, as intent as I am to hand over the reins, <laughs> take it away. So I feel gross yesterday because I had a lot of bagels. Um, so what I did was I went on Gold. You've heard of Gold Belly, right? No. So Gold Belly is this cool site. It's very expensive. You can get like the best foods from these restaurants and they'll deliver it to you. So I got New York bagels yesterday delivered to my house. It was, it was this big deal. And before I got, I got Philly cheesesteaks, which did not hold up very well. Um, but I had like, I actually really went overboard and had uh, three bagels yesterday of, of different, I know it was, it was a lot. I would I, I, 40 pounds if I ate three bagels oh, in a day. Oh yeah. I mean, I will, but like, I feel gross. That's the reason why I had a lot of bagels. Um, but it just made me think like, 
what is the craziest like food purchase you've got online? I remember, I remember I got like 200 Slim Jims ones, but I'm like, I, I have 24 bagels in my, and I don't have anything in my house. I don't know if you've noticed, but like my house is empty because I'm selling it. So there's no couch and everything. So it's basically an empty house with bagels and cream cheese. That's what my house is like right now. Um, but no, it just made me think like I've gotten some weird food online that this is at the top of it. So what's like the weirdest food you've ever ordered from like, it could be Amazon. It could be delivery. Like what's the weirdest thing you've gotten in your house? This is about to be so embarrassing. So I went through kind of like a season of life where I was just really busy all the time and I didn't have time to cook and I was trying to save money and I was trying to stay thin when I couldn't exercise and all this stuff. So I ordered like 72 bottles of Slim Fast shakes and every, oh. <laughs> every night I would just put two in the freezer and I would take them out and I would eat, do it for breakfast and dinner and then go to, and like all I consumed were those slim fast meal replacement shakes. No way. And I'm not kidding. The box was so heavy. My roommates were like, what is there a dead body in it? Like it was so heavy. And all I would like every night, I would just take two out like a caramel and a chocolate or a vanilla and a caramel, whatever, put them in the freezer. And that's like all I consumed. And then I would come home at the end of the night, eat like a piece of toast or something that was quick and then go to bed because I was just like so busy. That's funny. My, my dad, I used to get my dad's office and he used to have like 72 slim fast too. I never, I was like four and he used to be so into that, which is the Kathy Lee Gifford, right? I, I get Kathy Hello? Lee is the slim fast Okay. Girl. Well, I think we lost Oh, oh. No, it is. Yeah, I think so. You were gone for about 10 seconds there, by the way. Yeah. Kathy Lee is slim fast. Um, and so okay. I just, because I was like coaching cheerleading and I was doing all this stuff. And I actually recently, um, during the quarantine pandemic, bought another box of them because I actually like the way they taste so much. And I like the morning ones that have as much caffeine as two cups of coffee. And so you can like get the ones that you do in the morning and it's like coffee, protein shake, keeps you full until about two o'clock. Then I eat like eggs and bacon and then I'm set. So I, I assume that that was definitely out of business. Wasn't that like not as good for you as like people thought it was at the time though? Cause I felt like it was one that like everyone thought was healthy and they're like, Oh wait, maybe not. So they've reformulated them. They're much lower in sugar now, much lower in okay. carbs. They don't taste as good, but they're good. But I actually found a protein powder that I really like. So I've been drinking keto coffees mixed with this protein powder and it's like a Frappuccino. So, but sorry, Slim Fast. Oh. You, you folks are gone. I've, I've done anything, but that's probably the weirdest food purchase that I've ever done, except for when I ordered um, so much takeout from a Thai restaurant that they gave me two forks thinking that it was for multiple people and it was only for me. Um, <laughs> my friend, my friend on Facebook said that he, he just got food. And he got three forks. So he got three different places. Like, no, this is just for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, okay. I, I have three bags. I don't know who I am to judge anybody. <laughs> I walked over. I live really close to the daddy's dogs in the nations. And I walked over there the other day and I don't know why I was so hungry after going to cycling. And I ordered a hot dog and a corn dog and tater tots. And I pretended y'all, this is so embarrassing. I pretended like, like I was talking, like I was getting food for multiple people because I go so often I didn't want them to judge me. And so I was like talking, like I was getting food for multiple people. And I really just went home and ate it all by myself. If anything, they'd be impressed. They would judge you positively. I think that's awesome. It's like, oh man, that's impressive. She can eat that much food. I think that's, a, that's, there, was, awesome. 
there was a cute guy sitting there, and I didn't want to. Well, be, I feel like that's. I mean, we, we can go into this later. But I feel like that's one thing girls don't understand is like guys are not disgusted; they're impressed by that. Uh, <laughs> we, we we we've gone on long enough here, so we should go for the dime. But uh, thanks for joining us. I'm glad I have to take over a segment, and we'll see you next week. See you next week.